Welcome, Noor Jahan, to Girl Take the Lead. We are so excited to have this topic. Oh my God, it's going to be such a good episode. So thanks Girl, for being here. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'm excited for the topic. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And maybe um, we'll start if you would just introduce yourself to the listeners so they know a little bit about your background. Yeah, of course. So uh, my name is Noor Jahan Tort, and uh, I am here talking to Yolanda because I embarked on um, an interesting journey in 2021. I uh, decided to try out for the Sports Illustrated Swim Search competition um, at the age of about, you know, well, let's see, I just turned 39, so I was 37. And I tried out on a whim. I made it all the way to semifinals. It was an amazing experience. I actually ended up making some of my best friends through the entire competition and search process. And it got me reflecting on my journey. I, I'm actually an executive at a healthcare advertising agency. So I worked in advertising and marketing my entire life. And that kind of then leading into this Sports Illustrated Swim Search competition, I think I came out of that just more in love with the notion of storytelling and then connecting with women and empowering women. So I've just been trying to do that as much as I can. And that's why I'm here talking to you. Um, great. And I am just so thrilled that you have taken that energy um, and now are helping like you thought you were going to be a cover model and now you're a role model. So this is just wonderful. So I think it's just terrific how you pivot on. I just did uh, an episode about a failure resume, right? And, uh -huh. and I had so much fun writing it because anytime we have some kind of change or disappointment, something else opens up. Oh yeah. And it sounds like your life just, whew, just really opened up. I, I think so. And I, I think you and I had talked about that and we connected on, you know, you talked about this notion of failure resumes. And I remember in, because listen, I made it to semifinals and then I tried out again and I did not advance any further that next time I tried out, but I intend to submit again. And I remember in my second submission video, I had said, I just want to get women excited about the idea of falling on their faces over and over again. Um, you know, because I had, I had, when I was filming that second submission video, I had actually taken a really nasty fall during my own birthday uh -huh. party. So this was exactly a year ago. And um, it was awful. Like I was supposed to shoot a submission video and be in a bathing suit and be confident. And my leg was completely, completely bruised oh. up, like from like hip to knee. And I just rolled with it. Of course I was in pain. I was upset. I, I my ego was bruised and um, along with my leg. Um, but that became the shtick for my submission video. Like, yeah, just get excited about falling because if you're not stumbling, you're not living life. And I feel yeah. like that's what you talked about, that failure resume. So um, if you can't pivot from things that didn't work out or losing a competition, um, then what was the point of it? Right. Well, well, I guess so many times we don't risk because we're afraid we're in that fear. So if we embrace that, no matter what will happen, there will be some learning that comes as a result of that. That's like, I think gives us more confidence and more courage 
to step into it again, or to do something that maybe is uncomfortable in some regard. Yeah. And it gives you, gives you, it's like giving yourself permission that, you know, other people might be wondering, why are you doing this? Or why take that risk? But if you know that things could not turn out the way you want them to, if you know that you're going to stumble, I think it gives you permission to then enjoy what you don't know, what the unexpected right. a part of that decision is. Yeah. Cause I think that there's research that says we are more frightened about the future and the unknown than we are about things that maybe have, that are in the present or that, you know, that we're willing to live with rather than take the risk into something unknown. And I think you've done this a few times in your life where you have stepped into the unknown and gone, okay, it's not going exactly to plan, (laughs) but we make it work. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And you told me a story about your wedding even. You know, when you hear stories that other people are telling you and you go, oh, well, that that won't ever happen to me or that's not going to be my situation. Like you almost get as much information so you can prepare for something like a wedding. The more people you talk to and the people that have done it before you and they say, well, you know, plan for this or this could happen. So be prepared. And I thought I had done all of that. And I think the, um, the variables that you can't control for are other people. So I just went into the whole wedding planning and wedding process, just assuming that all of my friendships are going to be just as they've always been for all of these years that we have been friends. And also because I had been attending those friends' weddings and, you know, I just assumed that those friendships weren't variable. Mm. So when people were telling me, you know, things can go wrong or things like things can be unexpected. I just didn't expect it to be the friendship component. And I think (laughs) that's what you and I were talking about where I went into it and like, I'm thinking, okay, like, you know, guests aren't going to show up or something will go wrong. Someone will lose like a ring or something. But, um, what I wasn't prepared for was emotions and um, behaviors from friends that I've known for years. Mm. And I just, I, since I was not prepared for, it, I actually did not have a good coping mechanism in the moment. And it's something that I had to continue reflecting on, you know, well past the wedding. Yeah. Well, I think they say that male friendships are activity-based and female friendships are emotional based. So I, and I was thinking this morning before, as I, you know, thinking about our episode and and my own wedding and where my, where I, I think I held a resentment for many, many years. <laughs> and I realized this morning, what was probably going on for this friend she was going to be my maid of honor and she wanted to not do the job the night before she told me, I, I don't want to do it. (laughs) Wow. You didn't tell me this. Yeah. And I, she ended up doing it. No, 
but I had a resentment about that for a long, long time. But I realized this morning as I was reflecting on it is that she felt very, very uncomfortable. Like she wasn't good enough, you know, like, yeah, she felt insecure. Like maybe the imposter syndrome was really getting her right. And we, and in the moment, I think I was so self-centered, like I'm the bride, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be my day. Hello. And, you know, today I can look at it differently and go, ah, have compassion for her and understand it because I didn't understand it then. Yeah. Was it kind of like that for you or? I'm listening to you and I was like, oh my gosh, Yolanda is such a better human being. I think it, I did a lot of reflecting on um, why you know, people behaved the way they behaved. And even when I got the answers, whether it was directly from them or, you know, coming to the conclusion from my own reflection of understanding the position they were in, um, I don't, I still don't think it was okay. And I think I'm only a couple years removed from the whole experience. So I hope I get to the place of, uh, letting it go or, um, you know, understanding it and accepting it. Mm-hmm. But I'd also like to normalize the feeling that sometimes if you feel like you've done the self-reflection and if you feel like you know where you were at fault or where you could have done better and you still come to the conclusion that that particular friendship or or person's behavior just wasn't warranted. I think it's okay to be hurt. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, keep in mind, my wedding was 32 years ago. So I'm sure you'll get there a lot faster than I did, (laughs) but but it can take time. (laughs) So there you go. And and even if it takes time, and maybe that's a question I have for you, it changes the friendship. Oh, yeah. And there was another thing that happened where the friendship died. You know, I think maybe what we can talk a little bit too is about what are the values I think we put into friendship. Because in my case, one of them was support and loyalty and trust. Yeah. And she, this woman broke trust with me in a big way. There's certain values that we hold, you know, just in our friendships that you can't, you know, like the line gets drawn, like, you know, that's not okay. Yeah. And when that, when that value is broken, I think that's, what's really hard to come back from and, and that that's what I'm learning, right? Like that, that unexpected situation where you feel like you've been friends with someone for years and 
you think you know them and you do, but there is change in everyone's life. And so if a change in their life or your life has put pressure on a value that defines the friendship, it does change the friendship. And, you know, and, and yeah. I think for, for me, um, uh, something I take pride in is if you're in my circle and you're close to me, I, it's a judgment free zone. Like, I will not judge you. I don't, I don't, I don't think that my friends and I share the exact same, you know, views. We don't have the same upbringing. We don't have the same like work style or the same views on relationships, but all of that means that if I love you and you're part of my circle, I'm not judging you. Yeah. Uh, and if what I, what I learned what felt like the betrayal for me was that I was being judged. Uh, and I think that is where that feeling of just betrayal, like, wait, like I've yeah. never judged you, but I'm feeling, and I'm learning that you're judging me. And um, that's tough to come back from because I think what I experienced more than anything wasn't a meanness. I didn't feel angry. And it's not even resentment. What I feel more than anything is uncomfortable and insecure around those people now. Mm. And that's why I think it's okay to just have to sunset a friendship or, you know, remove yourself from it or move on from it, not yeah. out of anger, not out of resentment, but because I found, I was like, I'm not actually comfortable anymore. I'm not, it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm not, it's not just that I'm not enjoying myself. I'm actually not comfortable around this person or these people because anything out of my mouth, anything I am wearing, anything I say, are they judging me for it? Are they, you know, drawing conclusions in their heads and then going to go talk about it? And, and it's like, man, I don't want to deal with that at this age. So <laughs> where, you know, we talked a little bit about empathy when we were kind of planning this episode. So where does empathy fit into this, you think? The right answer is to say, yes, we have to be empathetic towards what people are going through in their lives. And I think where empathy fits in, again, this might not be the right, perfect thing to say, but I think where I'm at, is where was the empathy shown to me? Yeah. And I'm like, and it's so hard to be empathetic when you don't feel like you've been given the empathy. And, 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 and I don't think that that's a difficult um, admission to make because my view on empathy is that it's such a beautiful and easy thing to say to people, let's all be empathetic. But if you really break it down, it's one of the hardest things to mm. actually practice. We're literally telling people walk a day in someone else's shoes. I will never live your life. You will never live mine. Every day, every thought, every emotion is so nuanced and that's what makes us individual. So when we say that to one another, we say that in the media and say that like, be empathetic, be empathetic. I think it's very easy for people to be sympathetic but I think it is challenging for us as humans to be empathetic. 
And where that fits in for me in this story is I shouldn't be surprised that I wasn't being shown empathy because it is a hard construct, but it does hurt. Yeah. When you're not given it. Yeah. I think with some of our friends, there's just this natural kind of way of being together that you, I've noticed that with my friends now, one of them, they say that we make our best friend when we're 21 years old. I don't know if that's true or not, but this particular best friend, I did meet her when I was about 21 and we were in college together and we're still very, very close. And we're, we're sisters. I, I think empathy is so in the heart and so deep that it's almost hard to put it into words, the way that you can love and support and feel for somebody and want the best for them in Mm -hmm. their life. Mm -hmm. And those kinds of friends, they're hard to find right? I mean, at my age, there's been so many people I was reflecting on this. Um, We found a couple articles and I'll put them in the show notes for our listeners in case they want to look a little bit more into this, but why we lose friends or why we stop being friends with someone. I think it's because it takes work. Yeah. You know, you, you want, it's not just about having a good time. It's, this is who I am. It's sharing who you are with somebody. And when you do that, you know, it's back and forth. They share with you what's going on for them. And you share with them what's going on for you. And there's this flow with each other that, you know, makes it, I think, challenging, like you're saying, to have that empathy for somebody, you know, doesn't just happen. (laughs) I think you're right. The the more information that you're exchanging and sharing with one another, the like, I always say that a good vehicle for empathy is storytelling. And if we're not taking the time to tell one another the stories of our lives, past, present, and future, then how are we able to elicit empathy from one another? So in a friendship, I agree with what you're saying that it is, you know, exchanging information. And as you said that, I was thinking about how I remember, you know, a a particular friendship where I was so taken back that, that, that person was opening up about things to someone they had just met through me, but they had never told me those things. Mm-hmm. And so, and and that's, and more power to everyone who you feel comfortable with is who you're going to talk to. And that's the beautiful part about that's the basis of friendships. I, the other thing that I have learned to accept as I'm getting older and, and friendships are aging and you're meeting new people is that you will not always be everyone's cup of tea. And someone that you were friends with in your twenties or your thirties if their lives have changed, if yours, if your careers have changed, your family dynamics or family, you know, uh, life has changed, you might not be their cup of tea anymore in your forties. 
And we can spend all that time beating ourselves up or trying to be the friend that they need or that, you know, uh, that they want you to be. But I think it's okay. Like you said, there's a lot of unexpected and unknowns and risks to take in life. And one of those risks might be like letting go of a friendship. Mm -hmm. It feels risky to do, but I think it's okay to take that risk and give yourself, I have to give myself that permission to do that. Um, because you will constantly be trying to be someone for someone else versus just being yourself and attracting those friendships. Yeah. Well, I can definitely see in the past where I have wanted so desperately for this person in my life to kind of validate who I was. So I would feel better about myself. (laughs) And this person never reciprocated. Like, oh, I, I mean, I, I would do anything for them. It was like, I remember that (laughs) it's just like this unreciprocated vulnerability, you know, that here I am just trying so hard to be their friend. And, and now I can look back and laugh and go, Oh my God, Yolanda, it was about (laughs) you. It was totally not about them. You know, I mean, It was me seeking something from them that, you know, anyway, that they couldn't, they had no interest in, in doing. (laughs) So that's fine. You know, move on. Yeah. And, and I think I look back to, um, at my naivete that again, because I think the thing that I pride myself in is if I'm your friend, I'm not judging you. And my naivete was that if I'm opening up and expressing myself, the ups and the downs, especially the downs, that these people that I'm opening up to are not judging me for it. Right. And I think that's when like that reality kind of hit when I found out that they were. And it took some, you know, processing uh-huh. And I couldn't understand why I was so taken aback by it. But I think it was because when the roles were reversed and they were at those lows, I didn't feel like I was ever judging them for it. Yeah. And it took me a while to get to the point of realizing that. And I think it was actually, I was listening to an episode on your podcast where, you know, about, uh, it was a woman who uh, coaches about the ego that you only tend to gossip or talk poorly about someone if you're trying to elevate yourself or if you're feeling insecure. It took me a while to get there. And then I took a lot of pride in that. I said, yeah, heck yeah. I didn't, didn't (laughs) judge you for that. Cause I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel the need to. So, um, when I realized that maybe people were judging me for things, it wasn't about me. It was about them. It was almost easier to move on Mm -hmm. from that friendship. Yeah. But I like what you're saying about normalizing some of the emotions that happen for us in those times, like anger, um, you know, until we get to that point where we can really grieve and say, oh, it's okay. Like you said, I'm not the cup of tea for everybody. (laughs) Not everybody's going to want to be my friend, you know, and um, the ego takes a hit, like, okay. 
but I think one of the things too, that uh, struck me with what you were just saying about being judged. I learned this from one of our guests who's a psychotherapist and said, he said that when somebody is judging, they're trying to control. Ooh. Isn't that terrific to, to hear? I mean, horrific. because it totally is that other person trying to control who we are mm -hmm. and make us a certain way. I just, anyway, I share that well, with you because that really changed my view on people who are very judgmental. I, I love that too, because I think that, and especially if you are a person or a young woman that is ambitious and um, driven and um, not afraid of, you know, continuing to better yourself or recreate yourself or all of those things, you're going to be met with a lot of judgment. And you quickly realize that there are people that are going to stand by you when you're continuing to succeed. Um, or there's less people that will continue to stand by you when you're continuing to succeed. And the people that were there for you every time you failed, uh, when you start succeeding, a lot of them drop off. Mm -hmm. And I think that is similar to the notion that you're just talking about, that judging is a way to control because it's a lot easier to, to root for someone when they're down than it is to root for them when they're up. Yeah. And you've just got to find the people that will root for you when you're up. And, and um, I mean, that's, I think I know we started this talking about that Sports Illustrated Swim Search competition, but I think that as an, in my adult female life, I went into that competition wanting to win it for reasons entirely outside of female friendships, but I came out of it with these really authentic and fast friendships that were made with women, adult women. I think because we all were and had no business judging each other. We're all there trying to win a, a you know a swimsuit competition, right? There was right. no, there was you know, and and fine the rest of the world whatever it might be our corporate world our mom worlds our you know uh, immigrant family worlds like those could all be judging us but we're not judging each other this is really beautiful and, and it's a kind of amazing how fast a friendship can form when it feels so judgment-free that's so great to hear i feel that most of my my friends happened because we, <laughs> we were kind of suffering the same way. We, we, were, we both got in the boat together. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> where I think, do you think that's different? What's your viewpoint on that? You know, as you're saying that I'm thinking of my relationship with my parents and whether it's a construct of them being baby boomers or also being um, immigrants to this country. Right. My brother and I were um, first generation, were born and raised in Southern California to um, Indian parents. And I, I don't always think growing up that um, their parenting style was like radical transparency or some would call that inauthentic, um, you know, and in maybe trying to keep the Disneyland facade over things 
while they themselves were figuring out this cultural melting pot that they had now become part of and were expected to raise children in and somehow preserve their culture from their home country. So when I meet some of my friends and their parents and I see the difference in their communication styles, I think that had to, that has a lot to do with why I value the authenticity. And again, I'm not suggesting that my parents were inauthentic in, but you know, even now it's, I always tease them. Like if I ask them a question, especially when it comes to their health then it's always a roundabout answer, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, it's a code. Yeah. So, um, and maybe that is generational and, and, and also do with the cultural, um, uh, differences. And I, I do think there's, and it, maybe this is also the New Yorker in me, there's an efficiency to having authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. Like the time we take, I mean, we know this being in the, in the corporate business world and I'm in client service, like the time we take to decode what our clients are really asking of us because they might not be radically transparent with us is time lost. Mm-hmm. And I think I love these friendships where there's so much authenticity because then that's allowing for more time to get to know one another and to enjoy all that comes with getting to know one another. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too, like, um, how things can circle back. Like this podcast, for example, has, um, allowed me to circle back with some work friends who knew me in my career at different points and are now like my big supporters, like, you know, where we've rekindled. So what I love about friendship is that it doesn't have to be staccato, you know, you like maybe it goes away for a little bit and then it comes back. You have more things in common. Maybe you have, you know, it's like more like a loop rather than a straight line, you know, of what happens with friendships, I think. I love that. Cause that does make, as I hear that, it makes me feel better about all the things I was talking about earlier, right? Where it maybe it makes it makes me feel better, right? About those decisions where you say it's okay if you have to walk away or it's okay mm-hmm. if you have to accept that this is um not what it used to be or it's over for now. Yeah. Right. Because it might loop back and be a different type of relationship. But that's nice because that's really hopeful. And it's it's funny you say that I um um I, I, I hosted a birthday brunch last Sunday and uh, oh, it's always fun. New York at this time of year is just amazing, but I wanted to do something different. And I had just read, I just finished reading Priya Parker's book, The Art of Gathering. And, and she talks about it in personal and professional settings. I mean, every time you gather with people, it's just an opportunity for human connection. And she suggested this activity called 15 Toasts. And you pick a theme for the event. And everyone shares a story on theme, keeps it under three minutes, and then leads the group in a toast to that theme. So I used my birthday as an excuse. And I did, I I got together a group of people, it was 15 of us, and it was new friends, old friends, uh, people whom I just really like admire. And 
a lot of them did not know one another, but they've all been from different parts of my life, work, um, school, just New York friends, my husband's friends. And, you know, I, I kind of blackmailed everyone a little bit. I said, this is what I want as my birthday gift from all of you. And Yolanda, it was really amazing because yeah. everyone, everyone was game. Everyone did it. Everyone shared these stories and it was exactly, I think what, you know, Priya Parker said in her book where it's just going to be, these people are strangers and you might feel more comfortable sometimes opening up to strangers because they don't have any context of your life. And, you know, some stories were heartwarming, others were keeping us laughing, others were tear jerkers. So I was just watching all of these people that I really care about and I'm seeing all of them sharing laughs and tears and toasts together. And then numbers were being exchanged and people felt really connected and, it was just, it was really beautiful. It was probably one of my favorite, you know, birthdays. Um, and I think it goes back to like, what oh, I loved like the efficiency of like being authentic and how quickly then you can make great connections and, you know, new friendships because of it. Uh, I, think, I, really I, I think the, the key word that you brought up that I think is an element of friendship is that connectedness which makes it different than just an acquaintance. Oh yeah. Right. So we go from someone we know move into really being connected with that person. Sometimes it's based on your history. Sometimes it's based on what you're currently going through at work and you need help with, but you know, it just seems like however that connect connectedness happens, that's what pulls us together in friendship. Absolutely. And we always joke about, you know, it's like the New York minute. I have friends that I've known for years in New York and I see them every weekend. Um, but it's always catching up on how's work, how's life. How's, instead of hearing the stories that I heard last Sunday. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, that's the moment that changed your life when you got the job offer in New York, or that's the moment that changed your life when you, you know, lost that, you know, boxing match. Like it's, it's, and I remember a friend talking about how he lost a boxing match. I was at that boxing match, but for him to have like said that moment, you know, changed that the, the theme of our uh, brunch was a moment in your life that has changed your life. That's what I just decided oh, the nice. theme would be. And it's funny because I remember attending that, but to hear him say how much that impacted his life, um, that that's the connectedness that you kind yeah. of, not that we take it for granted, but um, we don't just stop and talk to each other uh, right. on, that, on that level at all right. times. And that share, that vulnerability that we were talking about before, which is yeah. super present. So Oh, that sounds great. Well, this might be a good, good point to end. I could, I could keep talking to you for days. So. <laughs> Same as I'm standing really still because I don't want audio to garble. <laughs> but I think it's just been so lovely. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you'd like to tell our listeners about? I think, I think we covered it all. I feel, you know, what I love and I appreciate from you is kind of, we started with sometimes friendships end or why they end, but there's this like hopeful notion to it, whether that one, you know, finds a way to renew or you find new friendships. And, and 
letting go of things makes space for other cool things, whether it's friendships or pursuits. And we talked about taking risks and the only other thing, I mean, like I'm talking to you now, I'm only doing this because I'm just putting myself out there and taking a risk to, to, to connect with more women and um, share stories like this. And, and then I got into, you know, I decided to start a plant-based protein bar company with my husband and a skincare line. I think just all in the past two years of just putting yourself out there. So it's okay if you have to let go of other things at times, because, you know, new opportunities will open up. Absolutely. And um, do you want to tell our listeners how they can find you and learn more about your other businesses? And yeah, sure. You can find me on Instagram at Norjahan Tort, N-O-O-R-J-E-H-A-N, T-O-U-R-T-E. It's very short. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm sure you'll put that in your show notes. I will. Through that, um, you can find um, our website for our plant-based protein bar, fgpbar.com. And um, I'll definitely send you some samples, Yolanda. It's a plant-based protein bar. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how you can find me and DM me, chat with me. I love having these kind of conversations and I'll totally be that person who you can vent to. Like I'm kind of <laughs> over this friendship. Cool. It's okay. Right. free. And I'll also put in the book, um, Art of Gathering. That sounded like oh, great yes. ideas in that book. So I'll share yeah, that with our listeners writer. as well. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for just being this incredible light and inspiration for everyone. So oh, you're so kind, Yolanda. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for this platform, for inviting me and just for giving um, all of us a space to do this. You're so Absolutely. wonderful. Thank you. 